0: You know, in 2019, the leadership of the church, we, we took a trip to Columbus, Ohio. I mean, because if you're going to take a trip together, why not make it Central Ohio, right? <laughs> uh, so we, we went to uh, just south of Columbus and went to a workshop for four days. And uh, it's called a boot camp. And basically what you do is you take the whole church structure, everything you're doing, everything you hope to do, everything you have done, and you put it on the table And you let someone coach you through the process of what works, what doesn't work, what's healthy, what's unhealthy, and help you form a new path forward if that's what needs to take place. And when we got together to do that work, uh, the man who came and helped coach us was Newt Larson. And, And Newt sat with us and talked with us and wasn't afraid to tell us when we weren't headed down the right path. And from that moment to today, Newt has... Kind of been my senior pastor. When you sit in an office by yourself during the week and you're pastoring a your church, sometimes it can feel isolating, especially over uh, 2020 and 2021, right? But it wasn't because every five weeks I have a Zoom call with new where I can bounce things off of him, and he helps me, and he prays for me, and he emails me stuff to help me stay sharp. And uh, yesterday he was with us here in this room while we had an equipping day. We talked about what it, what does it look like to be a healthy follower of Jesus? What does it look like to be a healthy church? How do, how do we pray whenever we're healthy? Uh, and it was really good. And so I'm excited. I get to hear from him a lot. You don't get to hear from him as much as I do. So I'm grateful this morning you get to hear the Lord speak his word through my brother, Newt. And uh, Newt, I'd like to come up and share the word with us. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be with you.
1: I love Adam and I love talking to him and hearing him and uh, he loves you guys so much that as a family uh, it's a great tie with the church. Great to be with you. Newt as in Newt Rockne, K-N-U-T-E was always a Notre Dame fan because I was named after their famous coach which you don't know because you're way too young. I was born in San Diego and raised there, and my father's name was Padre, and so I'm going to spend my time about why we should be rooting for San Diego, every head bowed and every uh, I, I, w- I No, I grew up in Harrisburg, and so this is exciting <laughs> <laughs> to watch the Phillies. My brother liked the A's, and we used to fight about it, but... Uh, You don't even know that the A's used to be in Philly, some of you, but anyway, that's not so important as what I'm going to try to say here. Join me in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. I am uh, uh, honored to be here and also very happy for the tie with Journey Church. You have uh, an amazing tie with your pastor and the whole family, and it's just great to be here and feel the mood. Thank you. Ecclesiastes is a funny book. It's hard to say, and it's hard to decipher or figure it out. Ecclesiastes is a guy looking at the world and saying it's weird. He's looking at life and saying it's unfair. Things don't be like my... They don't turn out like my grandmother said they would. She was the one... uh, I grew up in a divorce home, and my grandmother is the one who talked about Jesus Christ all the time. I mean, she lived it. She was... She was Mother Teresa to us in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, going across the lines of poverty and race and uh, doing things that I think Christ would do if he were there. So I'm going to talk about that in the the book of Ecclesiastes. It's it's an amazing uh, book that goes through life, and he keeps saying, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Or kids, emptiness of emptiness it's just plain nothing. It's not fair what's happening in this life. It's written by Solomon. He's looking at all the things that are happening around him and and saying, I don't get it. Uh, You try to honor God with your life, and it doesn't turn out right. You get fired. Or uh, things that you promised or someone promised you don't happen. In fact, he says one time in in the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, Life is like, uh, you, you just, you live and you die and you're like roadkill on the side of the road. None of you stopped for a possum this morning as you came in if it was on the side of the road. You just, just move on. And he says it, it feels like that when people die. So he starts off, uh, verse 1, The words of the preacher, that's Solomon, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Even Journey Church, you guys, what's the point? That's what he would say when he's in that mood. His his point, our Hebrew prof said, you can translate vanity of vanities, uh, soap bubbles of soap. And you have felt like that at times, I certainly have. Uh, The tragedies in my home growing up were divorce and the death of my teenage sister and and just inconsistency of uh, people in our church about hypocrisy and those things, the vanity of, Solomon says, he looks at life. I mean, you think of it, Ukraine, uh, China, uh, Putin, uh, New York, uh, Philadelphia. There's no fairness in many cases. And so Solomon, who says he trusts God in many ways, says, yeah, but soap bubbles of soap bubbles. It's all soap bubbles. And so when we talk about it, I'm just going to put an outline in front of you or a sentence in front of you. life is empty and unfair. It really is. Don't you go telling your neighbor that if you follow Jesus Christ, everything will turn out right. That's not true not in this life. Uh, He says, under the sun. Now that's the big issue here. Under the sun. Uh, Verse 3, What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? Clay that the ceiling is is the heavens, and that we live under here, so on the top of the ceiling, the heavens, there's a God and all that, but about life under the sun. You guys, if you just look at your life now, or at junior high school where you go, uh, or where you work, or even Washington, D.C., you may have heard they're not getting along all that well there. (laughs) Under the sun, it's kind of empty. It's kind of like, come on, you guys. And life is empty. Where is God? There's a... There's a verse in Psalm 73 that I attached to when I was 17 and my 14-year-old died at my father's house on Father's Day because my parents were divorced and she fell off all horse. And the verse says, does God know? And now, uh, I started to walk away. Where, where is God when it hurts? And you've probably been there or maybe you're there now Under the sun, does God know what's going on? Uh, What he, I attach that to a a verse in in Romans, or Revelation 18, but I just want to say something. At the end of Ecclesiastes, you may know of this, he says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He goes through Ecclesiastes. He tries out all kinds of things. Don't even think about a thousand wives and concubines. Don't even think about it. At the end, you're thinking about it, two of you. <laughs> At the end of life, he says, "Under the sun, it's vanity." But then he finally says, in chapter twelve, "Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter." Huh? Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter this was written so we would take his conclusion and not go his route to get there. The conclusion of the whole matter is also in the book of Revelation. Join me there, if you would, if you're following in your Bible, I'll show you some of the verses. Revelation chapter 18 is the end of time. Hello, it's the very end of Philadelphia. It's the end of San Diego. It's the end of everyone. But, He brings up this strange name, Babylon, Revelation 18. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory, and he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen, is Babylon the great. Huh? Fallen, fallen, is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit. This is a summary of life under the sun. This is everybody who doesn't honor God. Verse 3, For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. This is all the junk that goes on in Hollywood. Babylon, the great whore, she's called. Forgive my language. This is a symbol of everything under the sun. Whoa! This is everybody you know. This is maybe you, maybe how you were. This is everybody who says, Fui, the God. Babylon the great has fallen. So what he's saying in there, Babylon and the maddening wine, they have drunk the maddening wine, which you'd have to say the majority of people drink. That is, I'm going to live my own life. I'm going to live under the sun, even though there is a way of hope. And the way of hope was, back in Ecclesiastes, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commands. Because that's the whole duty of man. Whoa! That's the whole duty of you kids, the whole duty of young adults. Fear God and keep his commands. And he made it much easier and more brilliant than it was for Solomon. Because he visited Earth in the person of Christ. What is Babylon? Well, I'm going to take you what I learned over many hours. And when I was little, I was taught that Babylon was uh, the Roman church was taught by another teacher that Babylon was the revived Roman Empire. Whoa. And then I read from somebody in a book that Babylon, this maddening wine nation, the uh, people who have drunk the wine, it's kind of like Hollywood or people who just live that way. When you read the conclusion here at the end of time, uh, I think you get that Babylon is Well, let's go back a minute. Uh, Babylon was the great city, powerful city. If if you know Old Testament a little bit, you know ABC. Assyrians, Babylonians, Chaldeans were sort of the same. Uh, They were always messing with Israel and often beating her up. Think Nebuchadnezzar, think Belshazzar, think Daniel in the lion's den. And even before that, way back in Genesis 6, there's the Tower of Babel. (coughs) It's a funny thing to think about, but people still do it today. They're going to get their way to God on their own. They actually thought they'd do it physically and build a temple, build a big tower, and get to God. Tower of Babel, that's in the city of Babel, or Babylon. Babylon. So it's a way of life to be your own God, the city was that way, and clearly in, in, in our looking at it, we, we read that now they're in trouble. Do not love the world. That's Babylon. That's anything, that's the way I live, you live, if I don't honor Christ. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anybody loves the world, love the Father is not in him. All that is in the world, here's a good summary of Babylon, Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Do you know, do you, does it ever hit you in your heart that you can easily slip, in, I can easily slip into a Babylonian lifestyle not with the junk of the tower of Babel or the city, but just thinking I can do this. <laughs> I can live life under the sun. Lust of the flesh, we all experience that. Lust of the eyes, pride of life, all those things. Come on, what's the conclusion of all this? Well, in the end of Revelation, he keeps talking about this. The nicest people uh, tied with the nicest people I've ever met were in Ukraine. Uh, Janine and I were there, right? Our church adopted a church, and we exchanged visits with their pastor, and uh, on the streets, they looked glum and sad, in their homes, they worshiped, they sang hymns before they ate, they sang hymns after they ate, they laughed, they told jokes, they rooted for the Phillies. (laughs) No, they didn't do that, but I'm sure they do now. (laughs) And yet, all of a sudden, these people are being killed and slaughtered in some ways. Where's God? Where was God when your parents died? perhaps, in a tragedy, or your child, or a baby born without real life. Where's God when when at school it seems like some of the kids are getting away with murder? Well, not murder, but just laughing at God. This is the end of time. All that is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, the world is passing away that's this time that's the end of time this is the conclusion of the whole matter do you believe this or do you think it's something we do at church that just kind of try to make us feel good Babylon will be judged that's what he's saying and it's a huge issue by the way look how he starts talking about the judgment verse 4 Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Verse 7 As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her, in like measure, of torment, woe, and mourning. Since in her heart, she says, I said as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason, her plagues will come. I was a pastor for 43 years. I bet I heard this scores of times. Why does God allow people to do such evil things? Why doesn't he do something? And I would usually say, I'm not sure. I wish he would. But I do know that at the end of time, he's going to judge all sin and make all things right. And there's going to be a heaven and a hell. You mean God would send people to hell, a number of people have said? Why would he do do that? Well, now wait, I say. You just ask, why doesn't God punish sin? Actually, his friend Peter, Jesus' friend Peter, said he's patient, hoping everybody, come on, would believe and come to repentance. That's why he waits. But someday, God in his holiness must judge sin. It's the conclusion of the whole matter, part of it. Do you believe that? Do you ever warn somebody of that? Do you ever look in the mirror and say, I've got to do what's right, because this is Babylon, this is all this. By the way, the greatest judgment God ever did, the most severe, has already happened. <coughs> we sang about it. In Christ alone. When Jesus went to the cross, you're aware of this, all your sins were put on his spirit, his soul. Whoa. When Jesus died on the cross, every sin I've ever committed, including tomorrow and Tuesday, I'm not planning anything, but we're just (laughs) all (laughs) free. Every sin that you have ever done was judged. He cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? Don't you ever say, I guess I'm being judged for my sins. nonsense theology. Your sins were all judged when Jesus Christ died on the cross. He also cried out but whimpered, It is finished. It is paid for. And when you believe in him, put your faith in him. Don't just say, okay, I'll take that. No, you put your trust in Christ and who he is and what he did on the cross. That counts for you. Whoa. What's more, when you put your faith in Christ, his righteousness, which is perfect, he never sinned, never thought a wrong thought, whoa, that covers you. So now live with your sins forgiven, judged already, taken care of in Christ. Do you believe that? That's huge. And your righteousness, a gift through Christ, so you live in combination. You live with your sins forgiven. Don't you dare say I'm being punished for my sins. The punishment for sin is hell. Separation from God. A Christian life is this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. His spirit in you. That's the way to live. God does judge sin. Here at the end of time, he judges Babylon, which is everybody under the sun who just lived without the Lord. You were that way. I was that way. Little kids are that way. But we come to believe. Are you there yet? Do you live with that assurance that Christ is your judgment already? His righteousness covers you already? I think I mentioned yesterday, 75% of the people in the Gallup poll a couple years ago who said they thought they would go to heaven 75% said they would go there by keeping the Ten Commandments. Hello. No one has ever kept the Ten Commandments. I think they just made it up on the spot. People don't think about the serious. Under the sun, it's vanity, it's gonna pass away, is what it says. The world is passing away and also it's lust. And this is that picture. Do you believe that? We live with that assurance. But look what happens. In verse verse, uh, 19, chapter 19. Oh, I need to say (coughs) verse 9 first of 18. I'm jumping ahead. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail. Verse 11, the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her. And verse 15, the merchants of their wares who gain wealth from her. Verse 17, toward the end, and all shipmasters, and everybody's going to be judged because this is the end of what we call grace. This is, this is a rough period. This is the conclusion of planet Earth. This is a holy God who when he first revealed himself in Exodus 34 said that he's loving and kind, but he must judge sin. This is Jesus Christ as Lord. So as it comes to this, look at verse uh, 23, 21. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it in the sea, saying, So will Babylon the great be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And then it, very dramatically, says 22, And the sound of harpists and musicians, and all the joy of life is gone, where he judges sin. How does this happen? When our Savior returns we sang about that and it's easy to yawn (laughs) I was told about that when I was little I actually grew up because of my grandmother's influence under the the gospel all the time we went to four Bible clubs every week duh what does that matter it just means I I heard about Christ believed at an early age and here's what I always heard about and what we sang about but it's easy to yawn and say yeah I was told that a long time ago but it's still coming when our Savior returns. Chapter 19. After this I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. Yep. Everything he said will come true. He has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality And has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. In verse 6, he says, I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of many peals of thunder, thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. Huh? Jesus told a bunch of parables about marriages. The Bible says you, Journey Church, all who are in Christ, me too, are part of the bride of Christ. We're sort of engaged to Christ. But here's the marriage when we actually come to see Christ and we come to live together forever and ever. Whoa. Do you believe this? This is not a, this is, not, this is as real as the resurrection of Jesus. You do believe that. He changed the world. His followers immediately turned from their cowardice and went all over the world. Eleven of the twelve died of the apostles' disciples. Why? Because they saw him alive. This is when he returns and we'll see him alive. Does this, when you read about Washington, we wish they would get along. When we read about Ukraine and Putin and China and all the tragedies that are probably ahead for the whole world, do we believe that our Savior will one day conquer? The, the wedding means the church. That's, that's the bride of Christ will come together with him. This is the marriage. This was a big deal to Jesus. He loves the church. He loves me, you guys. He knows (laughs) us all by name. This is the day the king of the universe returns. And in judgment. And he stops saying, I'm waiting, (laughs) and says, I'm back. And it's great judgment. Verse 11, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. I, any of you grow up with the Lone Ranger? I guess I'm the oldest one here. Thank you very much. I was always Tonto. My brother was bigger than I and stronger, so he was the Lone Ranger. When I go to see him in a month, I'm going to ask him to play Lone Ranger again and let me be the Lone Ranger. Because he's getting older now, and think he'll let me. <laughs> Tont, nothing wrong with Tonto if you're Indian. But I wanted to be the Lone Ranger. The white horse, you know, the William Tell Overture, this orchid. <laughs> ta-dum, 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 ta-dum. That's when the Lone Ranger came. Now, I'm going to have fun with that, but this is serious business. This is the return of Christ, and because he, he wants to make it dramatic, the writer says he comes on a white horse. Whether that's literal or not is not the point. He's coming to save the world. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Jesus is coming back. Now, I don't know that you have to think about that every day, but if you're living like this in combination with Christ, your hope is in him. He's forgiven your sins. You stand righteous in front of God because of Christ. He covers you. That's gorgeous. But your hope is also that at just the right time, why does he wait? I don't know. At just the right time, he returns to this planet and judges and deals with sin. So our part is to believe that. There's this verse, I'll I'll jump to this one, it says, Revelation 21 It is done the end of Revelation. I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's the A and the Z kids. The beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. This is when this happens. Jesus is the A and the Z. Hello. He's Genesis and Revelation. He's the seed of the woman. In Genesis 3 it says, uh, Eve, by the way, One of your descendants, seed of the woman, will crush the snake. That's the devil. Huh? The seed of the woman is Mary. The woman is Mary. The seed is Jesus. You're aware that most things at church are Jesus. I love this story. I'm sure you've heard it. If if Adam hasn't told it, he should have four Sunday school teacher asks her kids what has four legs and a bushy tail and hops from branch to branch and a little girl raises her hand and says it sounds an awful lot like a squirrel but it must be Jesus because everything at church is Jesus (laughs) (laughs) it's true he's the seed of the woman in Genesis he's the sacrificial lamb, the Passover lamb in Exodus, put the the blood on your door sill, huh? In Leviticus, he's the sum of all those sacrifices. He's the final sacrifice. In Numbers, he's the pole that you look at and, and you get cured of your illness because you look by faith. In Joshua, he's the final general. In Judges, he's the final judge. One time, Jesus is walking with two people after his resurrection on the road to Emmaus, and he ex- they didn't know it was Jesus risen from the dead, and he explained to them how he was all through the Old Testament. It was all about him. Huh? He's the beginning and the end, and here's the end. It's all about him. The psalmist wrote of someone coming who would sit on the throne of David. Isaiah said a child is born, watch his words, a son is given. The son had always lived. That's the son of God. The child is born in Bethlehem. This is the day when he returns as Alpha and Omega, and this is Omega Z. This is the end of time. Do you believe this? This is why we're asked to be faithful at church and keep going. No wonder you read in in Psalm 2. I read it again last night. The Lord sits in the heavens while the nations rage and he laughs. It's a Hebrew idiom and it just means he will win. People go against him, take his name in vain, live his life, live their lives in vain, but he he doesn't laugh like it's funny. It he laughs like He's going to win. He wants us to be in Christ. So we win. You know that rock that went with Israel for 200, 400 years in the wilderness? It gushed water every day. I think it was one rock that went with them. One time in 1 Corinthians, Paul said, that rock is Jesus. Huh? When Jesus stood up at the Feast of Tabernacles in John 8, and they lit the big torches to show a symbol and memorial of how God led them with torches in the wilderness, you heard this, some would call him a peasant, before he was very famous, cry out with a 100,000 people there, I am the light of the world. Oh. When they poured water in that same ceremony in the temple, all these people were there at the Feast of Tabernacles, think Thanksgiving. This young man, 30-some years old, cries out, I am the water of life. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. He is the answer. He's the beginning. He said, let there be light, and there was light in all things, it says in John, he created all things, and without him was not anything made that was made. Whoa. If he said it, it is so. And here he says, it's over now. By his word, he made the world. By his word, it says in Colossians, he holds it together. If you're a scientist, think Adam. A-T-O-M, the circling the nucleus and the protein. That's our Lord, but at this time, he returns. I read one book that said, when he returns, 1 Thessalonians 4, with a shout, I know what that shout is. I read on. Enough. Enough of this evil. Enough of this unfairness. Enough of this vanity. He's back. Of the church. This is why we urge people to trust him as Savior. When he returns, the same song will be sung as was sung at the resurrection. Slaves will have the lead roles. Children who are never reborn, I think, will sing the solos because now they will live forever. He will, he will be celebrated all over the earth. Some people call this the the end of time. Yeah, it is. But for Journey, and for me, and for you, and for believers all over the world, it's the very beginning of being with Christ. Is this where you've landed? Is this why you serve? Is this why you... You know what's going to happen in the ninth inning. You don't know today. Don't jump there. But we know Jesus is Lord. So, be faithful. Even help some of your friends know, you know there's a conclusion to all this. Fear God and keep his commands. And his command now is, follow my son. Allow Jesus Christ to be your Lord. And at this time, he will wipe away all tears. The conclusion is, fear God, like uh, Solomon said, he didn't know this whole story so well. Fear God and keep his commands. And one of the commands, Jesus said it, John, believe in me and live like this. Will you keep doing that? Let's pray. Thank you for looking ahead. It keeps us hopeful. Thank you, God, for your grace as shown in Jesus Christ, especially to know that he loves us and, and has forgiven us. As you pray... God to help you believe this and rest in this great hope not out loud but just ask God to help you see this as the great conclusion and the great beginning and if you're not sure that you'll be in on this in the good way won't you come to the place to believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord or ask him at least as you pray quietly, help me know if this is really true. Thank you God for hearing us every person. Thank you for loving every every person in this room, me too. Thank you for the conclusion which starts all the good stuff. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ risen from the dead, conquering Lord. Please come quickly.